world, I'm not talking about loving the world as in people. I'm talking about the loving the world system. Loving the world system. You should have a biblical view, not a world view. And what the world's trying to do is trying to draw us in. Do you know why it's trying to draw us in? Because if the world can draw you into itself, then it draws you away from God. That's the world's goal. That's the devil's goal. That's the flesh's goal is to get us to walk uh, 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 closer uh, to the world and closer uh, to sin. So a abiding Christian is a separate Christian. He, he walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. He doesn't stand in the way of sinners and, and he doesn't sit in the seat of the scornful. He makes a decision. Do you know separation doesn't happen automatically? Separation is a decision, a decision you have to make, a decision I have to make. And every decision that we make does matter. And it matters to God. Now, it matters to other people around us. Uh, don't misunderstand me. But most importantly, it matters to God. And if we're, not, if we're not walking separate from this world, here's the problem. We want to be called a Christian, but we want to look like the world. We want to be called a Christian, but we want to act like the world. We want to talk like the world. But God forbid, if I act like the world and walk like the world and talk like the world, you can't tell me that I'm like the world. I'm a Christian. Yeah, but if you walk like the world and talk like the world and, and act like the world, then people are going to assume that you're of the world. So what do you got to do? You've got to separate yourself from the world. Don't look like the world. Don't act like the world. The Bible says that we are to be like Jesus Christ. We are to walk like Jesus Christ. And we are to talk like Jesus Christ. The only way to do that is to put safeguards in your life. You have to put safeguards in your life. It's, uh, it's, it's not wise. Um, it's not wise to act foolish in this world. Right? It's not wise to, to walk around. If there's, a, if there's a, a, a sickness in somebody's home and it's going around their home, and, 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 and everybody in the home is sick, and you go over there and visit, and you go over there and, well, you take a dirty glass and you drink out of it, and you go over and you lick the, lick the doorknob, and you know, I mean, that'd be pretty dumb, right? It would be pretty dumb if they were sick, but, you know, it'd be pretty dumb, right? Why? Because you're liable to get sick because you're making foolish decisions. But that's what we do with the world all the time. We're walking in the world. We're talking like the world, and then we want to be called Christians. It doesn't work that way. The Bible says to be separate is to come out and put safeguards. Say no. You know what some of us need to learn to do? Say no. You know how you win over temptation? Say no. I mean, we make things so difficult, but they're really not. You know how you, listen, do you know how you stop gossiping? Just say no. Just say no to gossip. And when somebody wants to gossip, you tell, no, you tell them no thank you. I, I don't want to gossip. You know how you stop uh, doing the things you're not supposed to be doing? Then stop going to the places that you're doing those things. I mean, we're ta not talking rocket science here. Now, I'm not saying it's always easy. Because some things, uh, 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 a lot of things in life are hard. 
right? And sometimes those are hard decisions, but they are decisions that are worth it. One thing that we are going to that we are going to regret in life. Yeah, listen, one thing we're going to regret in life, you know what it is? Regrets. Regrets. I wish I had of. I wish I said. I wish I did. And we're going to get to the end of our life someday. I don't know when that is. But when we look back, let's look back not with a whole bunch of regrets. Now, everybody has them. Don't, don't misunderstand me. But our life should not be defined by our regrets the decisions we should have made or, 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 or could have made. I think back often, I didn't get saved until I was in my 20s, and, and I look back at my teen years that I just, I mean, I just blew really good. I mean, I messed them up. I messed up my uh, younger years. And I look back and I wish, you know, I wish I'd, I'd went to church. And I think about, of course, I went to a very, very small school, but I think back, back when I was a kid, and I think back to some of these people, and I, you know what, I bet, I bet she was a Christian. I mean, they were always talking to me about church, and they're always talking to me about, I don't want to, I mean, I was, I was that kid. I mean, I had long hair, not only in my back, but down my front. You couldn't hardly ever see my eyes. I, I always wore a Shirt that got me kicked out of school. I was, I was a kid. I was a kid that wore ripped jeans before ripped jeans were a, a fad. And I'm talking about ripped jeans. I'm talking about the jeans that were so ripped that they would ask you to go home and change. I mean, they'd be ripped up one side all the way down the other. I, I did everything I could to be a punk. And I was really successful. And I think back and I wish that I made different decisions. Wish I would have said different things. I wish I didn't, you know, permanently get kicked off the bus when I was, you know, in the sixth grade. I wish I hadn't, you know, borrowed a car and went to Daytona Beach, Florida. I wish I hadn't, you know, uh, there's a whole bunch of I wish I had enough. And I don't, I'm not saying you're not going to have any of those, but don't let those things define you. So how do you uh, safeguard it? You, you, you put hedges up in your life. And you say, no, I'm not going to do this, and this is what I'm going to put here to protect me from that. So an abiding Christian is a separate Christian. Number two, an abiding Christian is a scriptural Christian. Don't, don't tell me how much of a Christian you are if, if you have no desire to read God's Word, if you have no relationship with God's Word. Do you know we should have a relationship with God's Word? That means something that is a desire in our hearts, a desire in our lives. Now, sometimes it's a, it's a physical Bible, right? I've tried. I've tried the Kindles. I've tried the, you know, and some people are good with that. I've got friends that go up in the pulpit and they have a little iPad that they read their scripture off of. And they, and they do, and that's great. And maybe you listen to the Word of God, or maybe you read the Word of God off your telephone, or maybe you have a physical copy of the Word of God. But let me tell you something. Whatever form you use, or whatever you do, you do something with the Word of God. Because it's a desire that we have in our hearts and our lives to be scriptural. How are you going to know what to do if you don't read what you're supposed to do? This is what Scripture tells us. Scripture tells us how we're to live our lives. The Scripture tells us how to be saved. The Scripture tells us uh, uh, how to treat one another. Do you know, 
if we would actually read and heed God's word, it would change our churches. One verse, let me give it to you. Ready? Here it is. Be ye kind one to another. Wow. Tenderhearted, you know, forgiving one another. It goes on. But if you just took that first part, be ye kind one to another. If God's people can't be kind to each other, there ain't much hope for the world. There ain't much hope for relationships. If we can't be kind one to another. Let me give you another word, another verse. The Bible says that we're to live peaceably with all men, especially those that are the household of faith. And man, let me tell you what it is. It's a constant battle, constant fight against God's people against one another. And it's pitiful. The Bible says be kind. The Bible says live at peace. And so what do we got to do? We've got to forgive. We've got to, listen, I've learned through the years, water off a duck's back. I mean, that's how you got to let things go. You know why? Otherwise, you'll hold on to it and you will become bitter in your life. And bitterness is like a cancer. I mean, it will eat you alive. And here's the interesting thing about bitterness. Here's the interesting thing about unforgiveness. Let me tell you the interesting thing about it. The other person could care less. They don't care. I mean, sometimes they're the source of the problem. Sometimes they don't know. Sometimes they're just apathetic. But let me tell you what bitterness is doing to you. Let me tell you what unforgiveness is doing to you. Sometimes, as Albert Cliff said in his well-known book, let go and let God. You've got to let go of it. And you've got to let God handle it. How are you going to know those things? Through Scripture. Through the Word of God. But look at verse number 2 of Psalm 1. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. It's something that he desires to have. It's something that he delights in is the Word of God. We need the Word of God in our lives. If we're going to be successful, we need God's Word. Over in Psalm 119. Psalm 119 and verse 16. The scripture says, I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. I will delight myself in thy statutes. Ever read a good book? I mean a really good book. Now, more and more they're hard to find. Okay? You almost have to find a book that's out of print anymore to find a, find a really good book. But uh, there's some really good books out there. And when you find a really good book, let me tell you, if you ever read anything by David McCullough, David McCullough is a fabulous historian and writer. Matter of fact, he wrote a, unless you really like reading, uh, he wrote an enormous book on uh, John Adams. He wrote a book that everybody should read on 1776. He wrote one of my favorite books, and it's a very um, a much a lesser-known book, but one of my favorite books by him, and it's on the Johnstown Flood. I bet you I've read that book 
10 times. Why? Because I just love to pick, I just love to read. Every time I'm reading his books, it's like he's, it's like he's talking. I mean, it's absolutely, he's a great writer. And I delight in reading his books. Every time a new book comes out, he wrote one not too long ago on Paris. I haven't read that one yet. But he wrote it. So I, if he wrote one on, on how to build a doghouse, I would buy it because he's just that kind of writer. And uh, this book on Paris is like this thick and, and just didn't got there yet. But, um, but he's a great writer. And I delight in reading his books. Do you delight in reading God's Word? I mean, God's, there's no book that's more important than the Word of God. And we should delight in that. It should be something that we meditate in day and night. So an abiding Christian is a separate Christian. Verse number 1, Psalm 1. An abiding Christian is a scriptural Christian. Psalm 1 and verse 2. An abiding Christian is a steadfast Christian. Look with me in verse number 3 of Psalm number 1. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth its fruit in its season, its leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he do uh, uh, shall prosper. Whatsoever he do shall prosper. A steadfast Christian. We ought to be steadfast in what we believe. Don't let anybody, don't, unless they have scriptural evidence, to back up what they're saying. Now listen to me. If you're believing a lie, then yeah, you need to be changed, right? You need to change your belief. If you're believing something that you've always believed but it's not true, and somebody gives you scripture, not their opinion. I'm talking about scripture. When somebody always comes to me, somebody comes to me and says to me, Listen, preacher, I believe this. I say this. Especially if it's something that I've never heard of or if it's something I don't believe, I say this chapter and verse. I'm not interested in what some dogma says. I'm not interested in what some theologian that you said uh, said this. I'm not interested in what your opinion on the matter is. I need you to give me scripture. If I'm going to change what I believe, then I need you to give me scripture to back up what you're saying. Right? So we've got to, to uh, uh, understand that we need to be steadfast in what we believe. If what we believe is based in the Word of God, then be steadfast in it. Right? We've got to be steadfast in what we believe. We've got to be steadfast in what we do. What does God call us to do? Bear fruit. When you're not bearing fruit, listen, the fig tree didn't bear fruit. Jesus crossed by the fig tree, cursed it, and died. Why? Because it wasn't bearing fruit. God's desire for your life, God's desire for my life is to bear fruit. 1 Corinthians 15 and 58, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know, as your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Though we get to the end of our lives and we may look back and think to ourselves, well, I probably wasted time doing that. Well, I probably shouldn't have done this. When we get to the end of our lives, there'll be some things we won't regret. There'll be nobody that gets to the end of their life and says, I'm telling you something, I spent way too much time in prayer. Nobody will ever say that. Boy, 
at the end of your life, boy, I, I sure wish I wouldn't have wasted so much time in reading God's Word. It's not a regret any of us are going to have. Boy, I sure wish I would have witnessed a little bit less. I sure wish I would have gone to church a little bit less. Those aren't regrets we're going to have. Why? Because those aren't just things we do. Those are things we invest in. And what we need to invest in is not what is planted in this world, but what is planted in the next. That's what we need to invest in. And we need to be steadfast in those things. Be unmovable. It's okay to be unmovable and, 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 and strong-willed when it comes to the truth. Do you know you should be as steadfast as the Bible is? You know, we're living in a compromising world today. We really are. There's some leaders that I once thought were solid leaders that are making some really, really poor decisions. I mean, just poor decisions. You, you know, I always talk about Charles Stanley. He's one of my, one of my favorites. I, I love Charles Stanley, David Jeremiah. I love, but Charles Stanley has a son, Andy Stanley, and he's got some good resources. He is making some foolish decisions. Foolish and making some really dumb statements. I, I remember, if you ever, anybody ever heard of Josh Harris? Joshua Harris. He wrote a really good book. It's called I Kiss Dating Goodbye. It's about dating, and it's about the things you shouldn't be doing during dating and all these things. And he come out later, after he wrote that book, he come out later and apologized for the scripture that he put in that book, in the stand that he took on that, and apologized for it and said, I, I, I shouldn't have done all that, and we, we've got to be more inclusive, and we've got to... No, 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 listen to me. We should stand where the Word of God stands and not be ashamed of it. What did Paul say? I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. I am not ashamed. I'm going to stand up for what's right. I'm going to stand up on the Word of God. I'm going to stand up against sin. I'm going to stand up what's, uh, against what's going on in this world. If Christian people don't do it, who's going to? The government's not going to do it. Government's not, listen, government's not going to stand up for itself, let alone you and me, let alone for God. Isn't it interesting how everybody's for God when, 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 they, when they need God, but then all of a sudden when they don't need God, well, then they can be for Buddha or Confucius or, you know, Joseph Smith or, you know, you, you name them. Because we gotta, we got to draw it all in. Listen, either, either the Word of God says that Jesus is the only way or He's not. You ask, I don't care who you ask. Ask Joel Osteen, he don't know what he believes, bless his heart. I don't usually name names, but let me tell you something. Move on if you're listening to Joel Osteen. I mean, he won't even stand up for the gospel. He won't even stand up and say, Jesus is the way. I mean, if you're, you know, if you're a, a Buddhist, well, you know, Buddhists are good. And, and if you're, what is your intentions? No, 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 wait a minute. What does God's word say? That's where you need to stand. That's where you need to be steadfast.
Let's bow our heads for prayer. This morning our heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Are you saved this morning? Have you placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? That's the starting point. That's where we begin. You don't start at the end. You start at the beginning. You don't start in the middle. You start at the beginning. Don't get the cart before the horse. Jesus Christ is the starting point. And He is the way. He is the truth. And He is the life. The Bible says in Acts 4 and 12, Neither is there salvation in any other. Jesus is the only name. There's only one mediator between God and man, and it's the man Christ Jesus. I would dare say that everybody in here and everybody or most people I've ever met would say, you know what, when I, when I die, I want to go to heaven. I want to spend eternity with God. Well, let me tell you something, church. There's only one way to do that, and it's to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Say, preacher, I'm not sure I'm saved. I'm not sure if I'd die right now. I'd go to heaven to be with God, and I'm concerned about that. Would you pray for me? Just slip your hand up this morning, right back down. I pray for you. I'm not going to come to where you are or, or ask you to make a speech. I just want to pray for you by need. I appreciate your hand, and I pray for you. Is there another? I'm not sure about it, preacher, but I want to be. I need to be. Would you pray for me? Well, I'm tell you what a great thing it is to be saved. To know our sins are forgiven. How are you running your race? Are you a separate Christian? Are you a scriptural Christian? Are you a steadfast Christian? God has called us to bear fruit. And that fruit is to remain for Jesus Christ. Let's stand together. Head bowed, eyes closed. Piano playing this morning, a hymn invitation. Can I invite you to come? Maybe God's speaking to your heart about a specific thing. A specific direction, a specific uh, 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 um, problem that you're having in your life right now. Can I tell you? Give it over to God. Peter said, casting all your care upon Him because He cares for you. Don't carry that weight around with you. Cast it upon the Lord. He'll give you strength. He'll give you wisdom. He'll give you direction. Don't let it overwhelm you. So when it overwhelms us, we lack fruit. Let's produce the fruit God has called us to produce. If you need to come, as the piano plays this morning, you come.
Good to see you this morning. Good to be here in the house of the Lord. Just a, a couple things. I'm going to ask um, Scott and Becky to come on up here. And the um, uh, Lord's really been uh, working uh, in their hearts, both of them, and uh, about uh, being saved. And uh, last night, uh, praise the Lord, Becky got that settled, and, uh, and she trusted Christ as her personal Savior. And uh, this morning, uh, Scott got it settled and uh, accepted Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. And so if you rejoice with them in their decision, let them know by saying amen. 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 We're so thrilled about that and thankful uh, that uh, the Lord still saves old sinners. And so I'm thankful for that. I know you are uh, as well. Let's be back in our place tonight, 6 o'clock for prayer. 6.30 tonight for the evening service, and uh, we'll look forward uh, to that deacon's meeting uh, tonight uh, after the services, uh, and um, uh, let's have a good afternoon this afternoon as we serve and honor Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for this time together. Lord, thank you uh, for uh, just being so good to us and allowing us to be here in church uh, this morning. Lord, thank you for Scott and Becky. Uh, thank you uh, for saving them. Thank you that... Um, uh, you've convicted them and they've placed their faith and trust in you and uh, they have been uh, gloriously born again and we're so thankful for that and uh, thank you for that victory Lord I pray that you would dismiss us with your blessing and uh, give us a good afternoon this afternoon as we serve and honor you and bring us back this uh, coming uh, evening and uh, may you be honored and glorified with what's said and done we'll thank you for it in Jesus name amen amen <music>